Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Adnan Hira, venture partner at iBoss Ventures and founder of Zykera. Uh, today's topic is going to be a very interesting one, particularly considering the financial markets we're in right now, which is like, how do startups navigate the current financial climate? So Adnan, thanks again for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me, Eric. Uh, glad to be back now for the third time. Yeah, you're our favorite. You're our favorite guest. So I guess that's why you keep you keep coming on. So I'm feeling the love for sure. <laughs> so let's talk about it right now. I mean, the financial markets are pretty bad, just even from a macroeconomic perspective, right? Everyone's trying to figure out what will the Fed do, um, and we're also in in the startup world experiencing that. You're kind of seeing it firsthand. So, like, what are some of the actual numbers behind what you're seeing in terms of the the current financial climate and how it's impacting startups? Uh, great question, uh, Eric. So, in terms of numbers, you know, last February, you know, not too many people are focusing their attention on this, but last February was actually the start of the decline for the grow at all, you know, at all costs uh, companies on the public markets. Um, but the private markets were holding, you know, relatively stable, in fact, still kind of climbing uh, to that effect. But um, it wasn't, of course, until November, uh, Thanksgiving, when uh, uh, Fed chairman decided that we need to, that inflation is real <laughs> and not transitory, <laughs> and that we do need to start tightening. Um, so really, since November, you know, on, on the public market side, you've seen you know, upwards of between 75 to 90% uh, corrections, multiples have gone down like dramatically, um, you know, price to sales were sky high and now they're down to a more reasonable, you know, three to seven-ish um, on the public market side. Uh, but again, it wasn't until uh, the more recent slide that private markets are now facing the brunt of it. Um, and so what I've seen from the data is roughly in, 80% contraction in multiples on, on private rounds, which is quite, and, and this is to be clear, uh, later stage private. Um, mm -hmm. You know, now it's, you know, you're raising at one fifth of valuation than just even a few months ago. Um, and so it, it's quite dramatic, um, not unexpected given where we were coming from, mm -hmm. uh, but it's certainly quite dramatic when you, when you look at it that way. It's very interesting. I think there's a lot to parse uh, from what you've just said. Uh, in terms of that 80% decline in, in valuations, are you finding that that's just across the board or is it because that the market's been so overheated that it's just, maybe I'll use the word emotional response to this overheated market or are you finding, hey, some valuations are staying relatively high because everyone sees that there's market potential. So you're kind of like separating more or less in, these, in this financial climate, the wheat from the chaff. Sure. No, great, great point there. In fact, you know, I'll take a step back on this because, you know, we go through these cycles every 10-ish years, right, where <laughs> there are uh, pockets of the system that are overheated. And then, you know, one or two world events or, you know, doesn't really need to be a specific reason, but something triggers um, and, and credit tightens up or, or rates rise and, uh, and the tide turns, right? Um, you know, we know late 90s was the dot-com boom, uh, uh, you know, 2008 with the real estate uh, uh, derivatives. 
even recently as 2018, maybe it was a precursor, but in 2018, the crypto markets went through a, a year long uh, correction there, pretty dramatic from what was it like 20K down to 3K. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, look, I like to look at that as a kind of uh, risk on uh, measure. Um, and so, you know, there have been warning signs along the way. Um, but, you know, to your question on differentiating between companies, yeah, I would say the, let's call them the, the well-branded or the, the more widely known uh, um, startups at later stages are still, yeah, facing a contraction, maybe not as dramatic because there's still demand. Um, but really in these type of climates, it, it's not necessarily whether it's an overreaction or underreaction, it's, mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? Um, and I would say there's a lot of herd mentality when it comes to uh, investing mm-hmm. um, and, and just decision-making on that front. So, you know, the, the companies that are more, I would say in the pre-seed seed stage are probably not affected as much because their time horizons are much longer. But it's certainly companies that are, you know, pre-IPO or close to pre-IPO, you know, C stage, uh, you know, C stage that are feeling the the brunt of it right now. Um, and I'll just add to that that it's, you know, we really don't know how things are going to shake out, like you said, with the Fed um, and even the economy, right? With the you know probability of a recession uh, increasing mm-hmm. dramatically over the last few months. We really don't know um, what it'll shake out, but definitely as long as investors feel that potential, they're going to stick to um, the new norm, so to speak, where, yeah. And what is the new norm in your mind in this, right, I in think, this era? Great, great question. Because so, you know, we went through a period of grow at all costs, you know, high exorbitant valuations, giving lots of cash to companies to just grow, grow, grow and take market share or build a market. Um, and now, you know, when it, whenever we go through a tightening cycle, uh, the mentality does shift to now it's all about profitability, right? And cash flow um, and sustainability, right? Now founders who raised, you know, at, at very uh, exorbitant uh, valuations last year are now having the conversation with their VCs and their advisors that look, we need to stretch this runway because the next round may not be what you expected from the last round, right? Um, and so it's a, just a shift from, from grow to conserve and, and, and you know, methodically uh, generate cash flow or, or find a path towards profitability. You have an interesting perspective because you're not only an investor, you're also a founder as well. Uh, and in this shift from, you know, grow at all costs to more conservative, do you think there's actually value? And, and you can speak on, on both sides, right? So that's why I'm kind of curious from the investor perspective, if it's, if it's a good or bad thing, and also from a founder perspective. You know, my personal, and this is very personal to me, I, I do tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side of things, just given that I, you know, I, this maybe it's, it's just my... Uh, like preference towards self-awareness and like when I do feel that things are in excess or things are just like whenever you talk to someone you say oh that's so ridiculous but it's it's happening right when it comes to valuations and, and you know speed at which money is flowing I always like to take a step back and say look okay this is not sustainable right mm-hmm. very logically that's not sustainable and at some point it is going to change and so as an investor, I tend to 
you know, I tend to start hedging my, my bets, right? And I start to, you know, take some off the table with, if it's on the public market side, on the private market side, you don't really have that luxury, right? Mm -hmm. But you can at least um, look at companies with a, a slightly different lens where you identify founders who are, um, you know, a bit more responsible with, with, you know, as part of the due diligence process, you kind of look at how they are looking for the next one year to three years, five years, um, and seeing how they're thinking about things. Um, and then when you come across, you know, founders who are kind of playing the hype and want to uh, capitalize, you have to evaluate, okay, is this company going to be a game changer in the next, you know, five, 10 years, where at that point in time, you know, I'd still uh, consider following along on that investment. But I would say overall, my, my selection process or my decision-making process to invest shifts based on the environment and based on expectations. Um, and then, you know, as a founder, of course, you know, I still haven't reached the, the luxury of raising at, uh, uh, you know, a series A yet. I'm still in a stage, <laughs> So it's, it's a little different for me personally, but, you know, just thinking about things, I see other founders who, you know, just need to look at things with practical lens and not necessarily take for granted uh, the environment that they're in. And that's my general kind of like observation of um, what, found, what, what makes a, a sustainable founder. Um, you know, obviously there are the, the one-offs, you know, the WeWorks, the, um, I'm not going to say fair enough because that doesn't fit the bill. That's a whole different category, but yeah, you know, exactly. a lot of companies that no matter what, you know, d despite the, the, you know, the clear and present danger that they're going to uh, face in the future um, can make it right. But those are, I would say, very exceptional. Um, but, you know, your, your typical startup needs to think of a five-year horizon as just that with ebbs and flows. And so that's, that's where I kind of, Put my lens to it when I evaluate companies. Interesting. And, and you bring up, you know, just from a macroeconomic perspective, this is kind of the first time that our generation has experienced more or less very high inflation, right? This was mm -hmm. symptomatic of um, our parents' generation during the early 80s. We're, we're not at that level yet. We may get to it. We'll see. But how do you think I guess from the startup ecosystem perspective, we're gonna be responding to that because this is for us relatively unknown, right? Uh, our generation, a lot of, I mean, no disrespect to some older generational founders, but this is relatively new for us. Do you think that's gonna have an impact um, on whether the either the investor or the startup founder? You know, one thing I always keep in mind, um, it, it, it depends on the space. So the answer to your question, it, it really depends because, you know, technology by nature is deflationary mm -hmm. and it has, you know, certain pricing power once uh, established in terms of, you know, demand or, or solving a problem. Um, so I would, I would delineate this between, you know, like operating decision-making as a founder or as a, as a young individual with their, you know, daily lives. Um, that is something to be mindful of that, um, you know, things are not, are different, right? And so what does that different look like for me in the, in the next couple of years? 
maybe I should, you know, budget or plan accordingly if my input costs are, are rising dramatically. Like, I need to know in the future that I should have a hedge for this because this really impacted me today. Um, and then, you know, on an individual level, I don't know, this just popped in my mind, but you know, the, the, the baby formula shortage, like mm -hmm. things like that are popping up. So, you know, just on a, on our day-to-day -day basis, our daily lives, we just need to be mindful that, you know, things are not always going to be uh, accessible or easy as they, as they always have been and, and from the perspective of our lives. Um, and so it's, it's good to plan in the future for, you know, these type of situations where there are potential shocks to, to the system and, and we need to be prepared for that. Um, yeah. Do you think, it's interesting you bring that up from both a, a personal and let's say call it professional or startup perspective. Do you think that, and we have not broached topic of potentially how recession will impact play in all this as well, but you know, whether it's recession or inflation, do we see that maybe the, I don't want to call it the go-go days of startups uh, <laughs> are at an end, but it will make a lot more, maybe in the next generation, a bit more hesitant to do startups, whether as an employee or as a, as a founder or even as an investor. Um, do you see fundamental changes in terms of like, I don't want to call it the composition, but I kind of am leaning towards that in terms of the, not only the types of startups by industry that will get funded or, or grow, and also the people that will be involved in them? A great question. Um, this is something I've, I've, <laughs> I've thought about in terms of, you know, this happens every time, Eric, like it happened in the 2000s. So mm -hmm. during the go-go days, because I, I do think temporarily at least they are gone. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you see young individuals raising tons of money and, 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 and creating very well-established, not established in terms of, you know, business, but established in terms of name and recognition. Um, a lot of young individuals aspire to that, right? Because they see, oh, this, this person's my peer and I can do the same thing. They're, what can they, you know, they can't do anything or I don't see myself any less than them. And so, you know, let me come up with an idea. Let me pitch investors and, and, and take my crack at it. So that mentality definitely, uh, you know, grew exponentially during the last few years, especially the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think the shakeout um, is going to definitely be real uh, in terms of a lot of potential companies or, or, or ideas that maybe, you know, were fringe or very niche that potentially could have gotten funding or are, are probably not going to get funding just because the market and the financial forecasts for that are, are, you know, hit dramatically. But I also at the same time do think that it's going to come back again at some point. It always does. And it may, you know, we, we, we have a very short-term memory when it comes to these things. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just talking to your parents, talk to your parents for a bit and, and just see how many times they've seen it come and go, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like it's something where in, in five years, six years, you know, maybe even in, in, in a few months, <laughs> the markets will be in a different place and people react differently and emotions are different. And um, accordingly, uh, you know, the flow of money is different. So I would say temporarily at the present, for sure, big shakeout. I think a lot of people will reevaluate and maybe go back to that engineering job or, um, you know, whatever. 
but uh, I don't see it as something permanent, to be honest. It's, it's just the nature of financial markets that we have um, and, and, you know, greed and, uh, <laughs> and ambition aren't going anywhere. And so I think it, it, it'll, it's just temporary for now. It's, and I, I wouldn't disagree with you, but I think the ultimate question, and not to put you on the spot since this is getting recorded, is, you, you know, you gave a wide range of this could last a few months or go to five to six years. So I'm going to be like a CNBC uh, host and say, <laughs> where's your where's your bet in terms of how long this, let's call it downturn will last? Is it a few months? Is it a couple of years? Is it less than that? What's your bet right now? My, my hot take is, oh, my really, really hot take is, I think we just saw it uh, this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, and in terms of public markets, um, I, you know, there is, of course, and, and uh, not to hedge my bets, but <laughs> <laughs> there is the risk of, 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 the, of the war in Ukraine. That, that is yeah. something that I, I can't really account for in terms mm-hmm. of what's possible. So, from that pers- from that overhang until that gets resolved, um, it's not going to be all all systems go. But in terms of like how bad things, I think we've priced in a lot of it mm-hmm. on the economic front. Because um, typically, when we are in a reset, uh, or w- when we go through a recession, we don't know until it's passed. Yeah. Um, and so I I don't see it being this period being a. I mean, just looking at earnings reports, right? Like. I think one of those 70, 75% of companies top estimates still. Mm-hmm. And yes, there may be a haircut um, because of oil prices and, and, and the short-term inflation that we're facing. Um, I do think eventually it, it'll be, we'll, we'll pull back to the mean um, within this year. So I, I don't see it. I mean, inflation itself will probably be at the target rates in the next couple of years, but markets price that ahead of time. And so I don't, I don't think this is going to be like a, you know, uh, a 2008 type environment or environment where it's going to last more than a few months at best. And my hot take is it actually already passed. So I'll leave it at that. Well, we won't hold you to that. Don't worry. I won't use this, uh, this, this recording uh, in, in future episodes. So it's all good. <laughs> um, we'll you know, I, I think we, we talked a lot about you know, the investor side and just the macroeconomic climate. And, and you know, I, I always highlighted, you know, you're a startup founder yourself. So, and I think you, you've had some in this, our discussion, you know, hot tips for, for startup founders to, to how they can survive this. And, and I think, is there anything else you want to kind of mention to startup founders that what should they be thinking about during this environment? And I think the other big one, should they even be fundraising? And I and I'm going to focus on pre-seed right now because I think you did mention a lot of the private and the the valuation drops we've seen is more like you know pre-IPO later stage, but focusing on the pre-seed, you know that's where I think the podcast audience is right now. What should they be thinking about? What should they be doing? To be honest, customers just at at this stage of the game, like you know from ideation all the way. Uh, until you start getting, you know, consistent customers flowing in, it's really just putting your head down, only raising the capital that you forecast that you need. Um, well, I, I take that back. It, it depends, obviously, on you know the, the network that you have. But um, 
really for me, where I'm at with Zykara specifically, it, it's just focusing on customers, getting data points, getting information. How can you help them? How can you improve what you deliver to them? You know, whether you're delivering it to them in the right way, that should be the sole focus. So I would say the finance, of course, is critical, right? In terms of, you know, raising what you need to sustain yourself, your team, uh, and your company. But my advice is to weed out the noise because it's not really relevant to that, this, that audience because, you know, again, our, our time horizons at this stage of, of where we're at is, you know, seven to 10 years from now. <laughs> and I guarantee seven to 10 years from now, we have no idea where we're going to be at. So there's no point thinking about it like today. Um, but, you know, that being said, if they are, you know, in the state, in the midst of fundraising and, and, and they're looking like, I, I don't think they should be, they, they should have a frank discussion with an investor who says, you know, valuations or this and that or public markets, this or that. It's like, look, I'm, I'm raising at a pre-seed round. The, the valuation reflects that. And if you believe in my company and you believe in my mission and, and my ability to execute, then whether it's, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, 7 million, it, it's not going to make a difference to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that's just a paper napkin number that's going to be highly rewarded in the future or not. Um, of course, like we just you know discussed, if it's a later stage company, it's a completely different conversation. Um, but for the pre-seed round or you know early early you know early stage company, it's really focused on customers. And then when you have conversations with investors, the ones who believe in you shouldn't flinch when it comes to um, you know the minute range that a, that a pre-seed uh, company can raise that. So. Uh, that's that's kind of my view on it. I think that's I think sound advice, no matter what the market conditions, right? It's like focus on building a product that your customers will want to buy and getting those customers. And I think that makes a hundred percent sense. I'm going to ask one final question, and then basically that would be the last word for today's podcast. But for those startups, let's say that are in difficulty, right? Like maybe they they're you know, uh, they aren't able to fundraise, aren't able to get the customers, and they're in this environment right now. What would you say to either the founders, the investors, or even, you know, the employees of that, of that startup in terms of um, what they should be thinking about in terms of future opportunities or, or exit strategies? That's a tough one, because it's very individualistic, uh, or, you know, based on an individual circumstance. But, you know, generally speaking, I, I, I'm always of the belief that, you know, you, you have to be real with yourself. Um, and, and so if you're having difficulty, um, ask yourself why you're having this difficulty. If it's, you know, I, 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 like, you know, for an early stage, like I said, it's, it's, it's not going to be an external reason. It's going to be an internal reason, whether it's, you know, you're not putting enough um, focus or attention on, on, on speaking to customers. Um, you know, if there's not enough market demand for what you're, you know, working on, then maybe reevaluate your approach. And, you know, ultimately in terms of, I have a hard time telling people that they should, you know, reconsider what they're working on because it, it means something to them and they've put in a lot of uh, time and attention towards it. But I, I would say that, you know, it's, it's very important to be realistic and also not look at the short term as the only opportunity, right? 
Um, if you're finding it difficult, you're finding it challenging, and you're facing, say, a personal financial crunch or, uh, you know, relationship strain, whatever it may be, you know, the now is not the end all. Um, you know, there's always a future. And so you can, you know, pivot in the short term, and then maybe the why now changes to a later date in time, right? When, when, when your company uh, uh, fits the market, or there's an opportunity that, that kind of uh, meets demand. So that's the best general advice I could give. Um, I'm always happy to, you know, share my thoughts on a specific uh, circumstance. Uh, but generally speaking, I just ha having a real uh, uh, reflection with yourself on whether it, it needs to be done now, or, you know, maybe I can, you know, take care of myself, my family, whatever it may be now through a different means, and then reevaluate it in, in a in a year, two years, whenever. Um, yeah. I think those are sound words. I, I think uh, uh, the old phrase, it's the, it's, the, it's the journey, not the destination. And, and there are many pivot points that are critical. So I think that's sound advice to anyone, regardless of the situation they're in. Uh, and then thank you again for participating in the podcast and uh, look forward to future insights from you. Thank you, Eric. Always a pleasure.